My name's Wilson. I'm one of the deacons here at Church of the Incarnation. Um, really glad to be with y'all this morning. Today is a major holiday. Uh, I don't know if you knew this. It's a, uh, it's a holiday that I would guess none of you are going to get the day off work tomorrow for. Um, but don't let that quell your excitement at all. It's, uh, so it's All Saints Sunday. Um, if you are new to Anglicanism or new to kind of like a liturgical tradition, uh, we do this thing, uh, we follow the church calendar. Uh, it's this way, this practical way that the church across all sorts of traditions and throughout time has lived into the life of Jesus and the major events of his life and even the ordinariness of his life and the life of his church. Um, and kind of like any calendar that you know, there are these special holidays, right? So in the calendar that everyone knows, we've got Thanksgiving and Memorial Day and July 4th. You know, these are days where we think about specific things and celebrate specific things. Um, we've got the same thing in the church calendar. And today is a day called All Saints Day, uh, a, a day to celebrate all the saints, and on this day, like, uh, like Aubrey said, we, we always baptize people. We're, we'll talk about that a little more. Um, but what, is, what does all saints mean? What's it mean to celebrate saints? Uh, and I think there's, there can be a, uh, there can be a, uh, like a, a miscommunication that can go on here. So you can immediately think saint and you can think capital S, saint, right? Like Saint Matthew, Saint Mark, uh, Saint Francis. My favorite one that I learned of recently, by the way, uh, Saint Genesius, who's the patron saint of actors. So any theater majors in the room? None. Okay, well, you're, there's one. Yes. You're welcome. Saint Genesius, your new patron saint. Um, so we can, like, we can think of those uh, those big sort of names, right? Um, and Anglicanism uh, and all sorts of church traditions recognize these saints. And they're like Saint Matthew has a day uh, when you you'll read the story of Jesus calling Saint Matthew to himself, right? Um, but it's really just a way of honoring people who have lived these lives we want to emulate. But really, the word saint, when you read the word saint in the Bible. It just means holy one. And it applies to every single man, woman, and child that belongs to Jesus. And what those, like, capital S saints that we all know, St. Augustine and St. John and all those famous people, um, what they actually have and what their status is with God is the exact same thing that every single person who belongs to Jesus has, which is the Holy Spirit, which is belonging to Jesus, which is being adopted by God so that they can call him their father. So All Saints Day is a day to recognize every single ordinary but extraordinary saint. Like everyone in this room who would call themselves by the name of Jesus, who's been baptized. Everyone you ever know who has departed in the faith, that's a saint, right? All the saints who have gone before us, who have paved the way, whose shoulders we stand on. That's the day that we're celebrating. So I, so I want to take this morning and just uh, look at this idea of being a saint. What's it, like, what does it really look like to be a saint? Like, what, what does a saint have that makes them noteworthy in any sort of way? What's it mean to be a saint? Uh, of course, there are tons of things to say about this. 
we're actually going to look at all the readings that we just read and pull out just a couple of things. Uh, Three things today. Saints receive, saints perceive, and saints arrive. Okay? So receive, perceive, and arrive. Three things about saints. So first, saints receive. Uh, Saints are people who have received something. And this is really important in baseline. Uh, If you've got a Bible and you want to do all this flipping around, uh, the first reading we're going to look at is our gospel reading, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 from the Sermon on the Mount. It's the very first bit of Jesus' most famous sermon, right? Um, And he begins this way by saying, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, again and again. So Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the descriptions just continue on from there. What Jesus is doing in this very important, central teaching that he gives, is describing the type of person who will be swept up into, the, into God's kingdom that Jesus is now launching on earth. And this is what I want to highlight for us today. Obviously, tons of things you can talk about with the Beatitudes, what they're called. This is what I want to highlight. Is that the first thing the disciples hear out of Jesus' mouth when he gathers them together and he speaks and he's got all ears is not a command. Plenty of those will come. But the first thing is they're just being told something that is theirs. Blessing. Again and again. And who do the blessings come to? The blessings come to the type of person who is in a position to receive them. It's blessed are the people who need and who have a lack, right? Those who need and want grace. And why are they blessed? Because the time has come for God's grace. So the poor in spirit, the mourners, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, presumably because they see the lack of righteousness in the world, And they see the lack of righteousness in their own hearts. You only hunger and thirst for something that you don't have. Blessed are those type of people. Um, So a lot of you have been listening to this podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, It's it's put out by Christianity Today. It's about the, the rise and fall of this church, Mars Hill, which was a very large, very influential church in Seattle. Um, But the thing I love about it is it's really a story about power and influence and celebrity. And beyond that, it's really a story about why we and why the church kind of automatically finds themselves in this place of wanting that, of wanting, wanting a major stage. We want our leaders to have this power and this influence and this incredible... Speak louder. Project. Oh, there we go. There we go. We're live. I'm not afraid to project. Um, so the the podcast is really about why do we why do we want this celebrity? Why do we want our leaders to have this power and this kind of influence? Right. Um, so Andy Crouch, who's a writer, was recently interviewed in one of the episodes, and he was drawing this comparison between Princess Diana on one hand and Teresa of Calcutta on the other. 
And he said, at the time uh, that they were both alive, they were some of the most recognizable names on the planet. And they actually died in the same week. Uh, and so he, he brought up the fact that they were these mirror images of everything that we want to be in this life. And yet, their path to celebrity was utterly different. So almost everyone wanted to be like Diana. He's not saying that Diana was, was a bad person at all, but he's saying that her path to celebrity was utterly inaccessible. So everyone wanted to be by, like Diana, but literally no one can be like Diana. There's only one person that gets to marry the Prince of Wales, like, and she happened to be incredibly beautiful and incredibly likable at the same time. Nobody gets to be like her. But on the other hand, you have Teresa of Calcutta. And he said, literally anyone can be Teresa of Calcutta. And what he said next was interesting. He said, because all Teresa was, was a saint. And a saint, this is important, is just someone who opens up themselves to Jesus Christ. This is what's happening when Jesus says, blessed are, again and again and again, to the sorts of people that he, that he does. He's naming this. That saints are not those who do great things. Saints are those who are surprised by grace and receive it. And they do so again and again and again. What is someone with a poor spirit or someone who mourns or somebody who's being persecuted have in common? Each one of those people are in a place where the only leg they have to stand on is God's grace. That's it. God can do a lot of things with open hands that are ready to receive. He can do incredible, powerful, influential things. And he has done them again and again and again, but he does them in such a counterintuitive and counter-to-human nature kind of way. So Jesus begins his first sermon not by rewarding the scribes and Pharisees who had every I dotted and had every T crossed and kept company with the right people, right? And he didn't congratulate the strong, those who had enough wit and enough guts in this world to make it and to make a big name for themselves. I think it'd actually be a really uh, interesting thought experiment to put in blessed are for whoever we really think are the people who, who are blessed in this life. Right, either explicitly or in our own hearts. Like, man, blessed are the crazy talented. Blessed are the people who have a perfect body. Those, man, like those people have life going for them. That's who we would put there, but that's not who Jesus put. Saints open themselves to the grace of God, and they're the ones who end up being swept into this kingdom work. So, I, I would actually extend an invite to you after this first point, if you are somebody that feels a need or feels a lack this morning or like you're not good enough to be here or like you don't have much to offer, then you are exactly in the kind of place where Jesus is knocking on your door with grace in hand. And all that's left is to receive it, right? And then something new will begin. I wonder if someone, someone might be there today, feeling that incredible need, feeling that incredible lack. Let me just tell you, God's grace is there. 
So I invite you to receive the gift that he wants to give you. Saints first receive. They're people who receive the grace and the power and the love of God. Second, uh, second saints perceive. So saints are those who are in the business of perceiving something that the world might not easily perceive and might look over. Um, So we read from Ephesians 1 today. Ephesians 1, Paul is praying this prayer uh, for this church that he loves. He's praying for the very kind of saints we were just talking about. It's this group of people who opened themselves up to the grace of God and who met Jesus and were transformed. Um, And what does Paul pray for? He prays for the knowledge and understanding of what they've already received. Just a deeper insight to it. A deeper knowledge of it. The ability to see it with the inner eye. The wisdom to grasp it. To know the hope and the power. And to know the inheritance. God's inheritance in the saints, that that could be translated, God's inheritance consisting of the saints. Like the gift of each other. Right? The power of God. The same power that brought Jesus back from the dead and exalted him above everything that exists. So St. Paul, right? Somebody we've got a day for in the calendar that we admire, that we want to emulate. If he can pray for one thing, it would be this. Simply to have us understand the reality of what we've been given. He finds it the most worthwhile thing to pray for. And so I wonder, if we look over Paul's shoulder and read this prayer with him, if we might discover again something that's really, really central to continuing on in the Christian life. And it's this deeper heart understanding of what God has given to you. Like the gifts that God gave you in your baptism, right? The inheritance you have, his power, like it's there. It's there for you. So like if we catch ourselves thinking, I, don't, I just don't have that much power. Like my Christian life does not make me all that different. I don't have that much power as a Christian. I'm like, I don't see God doing that much in the world, that many powerful things. That just shows how much we need this prayer. So Ephesians 1.17, the Father of glory can and will give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. So maybe what we need is a fresh outpouring of wisdom. Or verse 18, to have the hearts of our eyes enlightened. We can pray for this stuff. Like maybe we have certain expectations of the way that God's power would look in this world. Maybe we think it's got to look really big and it's got to look really flashy, right? And maybe we're missing all the ways that he is at work. Like the wrestling and defeat of a secret sin. Or, or someone opening their eyes to see and to love a neighbor. Or the blossoming of a life of prayer in a community or in a person's heart. All of that stuff is totally unnatural. All of it comes from the Holy Spirit. All of it's a gift of God. If only we can perceive it. If only we can see it. And God's willing to show us. Or maybe we can follow Paul's example. And maybe we can think of somebody else who needs this prayer. Paul took the time to see his brothers and sisters. And to ask what they needed. And to pray for them. Right? That they would have a deeper understanding. That they would be encouraged. So saints are those who are, who are marked by what they've received, which is just God's grace. And they're marked as ones who continue to have a deepening perception of that same grace that they received. And then lastly, 
Lastly, saints are a bunch of people who eventually will arrive. They eventually arrive at a destination. So this is Revelation 7, right? Which Joe had a read for us. Saints have a destination. And Jesus, their good shepherd, is in the business of leading them to that place. So it's amazing, right? Paul prays for this ability to see and for this perception. And then Revelation is this book that opens up the picture of it and gives us a glimpse of it for just a second. Revelation 7, that's a, that's a picture of the curtain being pulled back and us getting a glimpse of the end. So let me read Revelation 7, 9 for you again. I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. That's all saints, from every nation and tribe tongue, and people arrived before the Lamb. Look at verses 15 through 17. This will one day be you, every saint. Your robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. You hunger and thirst no more. God's presence covering you like a tent. The Lamb is your shepherd guiding you to springs of living water. And the last tear that you ever cry will be wiped away by God's hand himself. That's the kind of God we've got. When you picture God, that's the picture. The destination shows us that what Jesus was saying earlier on, blessed are these people who might not feel it, who might not see it, see it yet. It shows us that everything he was saying is totally true. Those who mourn will be comforted. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will hunger and thirst no more. The pure in heart will see God, right? Their robes will be washed white in the blood of the lamb. Justice will be done in the world with perfect fairness and with mercy upon mercy. Like This is something to celebrate today, that the saints arrive at home. Saints receive God's grace and they perceive it, right? and they'll arrive one day at their destination. So on this day when we celebrate this stuff, like what a better day to baptize some people. Amen? Amen. Like we are going to add some more people to this group, to this, to this category of saint of whom all these things are true. So those of you who are getting baptized today, like from now on, you are going to be marked more than any other thing by God's grace. We believe in this moment that's about to happen. So it's like a wedding day. Before a wedding day, a man is just a single man, right? After the ceremony, that man is now a husband. Something happened that's different. And so those of you who are about to get baptized, and those of you who have been baptized, you, like, you are different before your baptism than you are after your baptism. Like, when... When you go under the water, like, like Aubrey was saying in the beginning, that beautiful uh, imagery that the early church had of literally stepping down into this hole and being immersed in water, you step into Jesus' death. And if you step into his death, that means you're stepping into his resurrection life. And so the life you now live, your real life, like in this body, is new resurrection life. And it's Jesus' life. And you're 
you're carrying him around in your body and he is carrying you around through this life after the moment of baptism. That really happens. So for those of you who have already been baptized, it's time to remember again and pray. Ask God to show you again what you got in that moment. The gift of his son, his whole life and his death and his resurrection. In him, you live and move and you have your being. You're marked. You are marked out as a saint and you belong to him. If only we'd see it and we'd live it. And man, he is so willing to show us. Let's pray.